Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5. KPL, it's Friday. The weekend starts today. It starts for us here at KPL in just a few hours. You've got my show, then you've got offsides, and then we are off for the weekend. But as we go into the weekend, a very, very hot jobs report today. Let's break that down because it is, in general, good economic news. And please do not misunderstand. Uh, half a million jobs is a good jobs report. That means that there are half a million more jobs that are paying salaries, which means more people getting more money, which means they can then go out and save their money, pay off their debt, stimulate the economy. That is inherently good. But there are some warning signs. So let's get into the numbers first. Payroll employment has risen 528,000 in July. That is good. Uh, unemployment ages have ticked down from 3.6 to 3.5% unemployment. Also good. Wages are up a little bit more. Wages are now up, I think, 5.2% from where they were a year ago. The biggest news is the job market has eclipsed where it was in February of 2020, which is just a, uh, a co- which is where, you know, that's when the economy shut down in, uh, that's when the economy shut down for COVID-19. So we're now in total jobs doing better than we were before COVID-19. That is all inherently good news. But there are some warning signs in the data that we do need to discuss. Okay. Some breakdowns, some of the statistics that you need to know going into this report. Involuntary part-time work up 303,000 to almost 4 million. Voluntary part-time work up half a million to 21 million. Full total, uh, uh, total full-time work went down 71,000 jobs. Total part-time work went up 384,000 jobs. Roughly 250,000 of the new jobs in this report were in travel, hospitality, government, and the services industry. But tech, finance, and retail industries are still in trouble. And then you have this. Uh, My buddy, Dan McLaughlin at uh, National Review. Remember, he's been on the show with us before. Uh, These are the things that he took note of. Uh, He took note of some of the same things, 71,000 fewer people working full-time jobs, uh, 384,000 more people working part-time jobs, Uh, 92,000 more people working multiple jobs, 279,000 fewer people who are self-employed, and 63,000 fewer people in the civilian labor force after a decline of 353,000 In June, overall, there are 623,000 fewer people in the workforce compared with January 2020. So the number of jobs is up from before the pandemic, but the number of people in the workforce has dropped. That's a bad thing. Here's why it could overall end up being a problem. The Biden administration, obviously very happy. They went out and touted it earlier. In fact, the New York Times did its job 
as a PR firm for the Biden administration with a headline that says the job report suggests Joe Biden is right about a recession. And Ron Klain, the chief of staff, immediately went out and retweeted that and said, kudos, New York Times. So clearly the propaganda machine is working. But when you have a hot job market report like this, what you're going to have and what investors are already counting on is that the Fed, when it meets in September, will raise interest rates another 0.75 points. When you raise interest rates, I'm going to keep saying this until it finally sticks in somebody's head. When you raise the interest rate, you cause a recession. More often than not, the vast majority of the time, raising inflation causes a recession. I mean, I'm sorry, raising the interest rate causes recession. Recession combats inflation. Recession is how the market combats inflation. Wages are up 5.2% from where they were last year, but inflation is up 9.1-9.2% from where it was last year. Inflation's at a 40-year high. Wage growth is not enough, and you heard the numbers. More people are now working multiple jobs to make ends meet. The labor market is very hot, but then this also comes in on the heels of other news. And this is news that I also really feel is important for us to talk about. Walmart, McDonald's, other major employers are cutting back jobs. They are freezing their hiring. And they are anticipating a recession. And so they are not doing near as much hiring. They are not opening up near as many jobs as they were out of fear that a recession will hit and they will immediately have to turn around and cut those jobs. All of this is happening when at the same time, the Biden administration's plan of getting Build Back Better passed is finally coming to fruition. Joe Manchin turned around and struck a deal with Chuck Schumer, and they are passing what they are bravely calling the Inflation Reduction Act, even though there is a new report out now. 230 economists warn the spending bill will perpetuate inflation. And then we got news today that Kirsten Cinema has struck a deal on some provisions and will now be supporting the bill. And I want to stop and I want to take a break there because there is some news on the political front on this and just how hypocritical the Democrats are in trying to get this passed. Let's go ahead and take that break. We will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. If you want to join in the conversation, 232-1542. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL, 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation now, a good jobs report, some bad warning signs, and of course, inflation still being the greatest threat to the American economy as of right now. And the Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act is just going to add more to the problem. 230 economists warn that Manchin's spending bill will, uh, will just make inflation worse. This is via Fox Business, which naturally... Uh, is telling me to turn off my ad blocker, but if they would stop putting autoplay videos, I wouldn't have such an issue right now. Anyway, 
The Economist wrote in the letter, first obtained by Fox News Digital, that the U.S. economy was at a dangerous crossroads and the ineptly named Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 would do nothing of the sort and would instead perpetuate the same fiscal policy errors that have helped precipitate the current economic climate. The economic experts point to the $433 billion in proposed government spending, which they argue would create immediate inflationary pressures by boosting demand, while the supply-side tax hikes would constrain supply by discouraging investment and draining the private sector of much-needed resources. Now, while all this is going on, the Democrats have decided that this weekend they are absolutely going to pass this bill. And do you know how they're going to go about doing it? by violating the very rules they have told you and me we should be living under right now. Senate Democrats have adopted an unofficial don't test, don't tell policy in the Senate. House Democrats, some of whom have decried their GOP colleagues' lenient attitude toward masking, have adopted an unofficial don't test, don't tell protocol of late, according to the website Puck News particularly as they endeavor to pass the historic Inflation Reduction Act this weekend. One senior Senate aide told the Puck News reporter they're not going to delay it if a member has gotten COVID. Counterparts are saying they're not going to test anymore. It's not an official mandate, but we all know we're not letting COVID get in the way. In other words, in other words, if you are a Senate Democrat and you think you've got COVID, shut up. Don't say a word. The very same people who shut down churches, schools, who made it more difficult to live our lives, who told us we could not visit our grandparents in nursing homes or hospitals, who made it to where we could not visit loved ones who were in hospitals, those same people are now saying, you know what, in order to pass this bill so we can spend more and raise more taxes, we're going to go ahead and just not talk about COVID. We're not even going to think about COVID-19. We're just going to show up and do work. Joe Biden has caught COVID twice. He's tested positive twice in two weeks. He may be more COVID than man at this point. The Senate Democrats are not getting tested. They're not talking about it. If they're feeling any symptoms, they're just going to go in and vote this weekend on a big marathon of votes for this bill. But God forbid a Republican doesn't wear a mask on the House floor or else Nancy Pelosi is going to find them $25,000 or whatever it is. Maybe it was 2500 Either way, it was ridiculous. The Democrats are hypocrites. They're not living by their own rules. The same Democrats who made all these rules are also very worried about alienating gay voters, so they don't want to say, hey, stop having orgies and let's try to stop spreading monkeypox around. But oh no, you couldn't go to church when COVID was running rampant. Your kids couldn't go to school. You guys saw, I talked about it yesterday. What happens when your kid was allowed to go to school during the pandemic? They learned stuff. Their test scores went up. The parishes around the state where they closed down, they didn't go to school right away. They did whatever they could to keep kids out of school. Those kids suffered. There's a new report out now. Let me see if I can find it real quick because this is just, this is, you know, a Captain Obvious moment. 
Babies and young children study faces, so you can worry. Uh, so you may worry that having mass caregivers would harm children's language development. There are no studies to support this concern. That was the American Academy of Pediatrics in August of 2021. Now, a new report. Speech and language therapists say they're now treating children with developmental deficits born from COVID mitigations. From understanding facial cues to reading comprehension, experts say addressing the problems early is critical. Again, a Captain Obvious moment. Children who were put under these COVID mitigation protocols suffered for it. The Democrats put those COVID mitigation protocols on us. And now, because they want to spend a tax hike and government spending, they want to create all of this and make inflation worse in order to pass their agenda, they're going to ignore all those same protocols they put on the rest of us, all the things they've been chiding us about. The Democrats are hypocrites. It needs to be called out. The Democrats have absolutely created this environment where they are above the very rules they set for the rest of us. And so they're going to go into this weekend with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema on board now and vote for this spending bill. It is a spending and tax hike bill. It is not an inflation reduction bill. It will make the situation worse. They want to give away money. The most conservative estimate is that the inflation reduction would start taking place in 2026. But as of right now, all the spending, all of the tax hikes, everything like that will only make the situation worse. You will forgive me. If I seem a little bit more emotional on this and I have on some other issues. But government hypocrisy and political hypocrisy really, really irritate me because when I get called out as somebody who supported masking initially. And did all the things that we were told to do. And now that I question it in the present moment, get called somebody who is pro COVID, who wants to see people die. And then I turn around and see the Democrats do this. It kind of gets on my nerves. The Democrats live above the rules so they can pass their very, very stupid agenda. And all of America will suffer for it. Joe Biden will get COVID three, four more times before the end of August, but at least they'll pass Build Back Better Part 2 or 2.0. Thank God. Thank God we have a Republican like Lisa Murkowski, even Lisa Murkowski, who is half Democrat herself, has come out and said, I don't like this new spending. I don't like the tax hikes. I can't vote for it. When you have Lisa Murkowski not on your side, you know that you've messed up in terms of what you want to call a good for America solution. Lisa Murkowski joined in on an effort to codify Roe v. Wade, and yet she won't sign on to the Build, Build Back Better 2.0. I, I cannot bring myself to call it the Inflation Reduction Act anymore today. It is Build Back Better 2.0. It is exactly what everybody, what Joe Manchin himself said he would not vote for. That's what this bill is. And the Democrats aren't going to take COVID tests. They're not going to mask up. They're not going to worry about any of that so long as they can just get this passed. God forbid you try to go to church at the height of the pandemic 
because in some places they will shut your church down. But, oh, hey, we can uh, we can go ahead and make inflation worse by going in for a vote. It's no problem at all. Right. Does anybody really fall for this stuff anymore? Is there anybody out there who's really falling for this? Who really thinks that the COVID stuff is really all that serious anymore? I know around here we haven't for a while, rightfully so. But does anybody in the country really pay attention to any of it anymore? Because you know what? The Democrats shouldn't have to worry about it. All things considered, the Democrats should not have to worry if one of them gets COVID and they're going into the chamber to vote. They should not have to. But it's the hypocrisy of what they put America through for the past two years that makes this such an infuriating issue. Let's go ahead and take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, a couple more issues that I just have to talk about, including what Joe Biden is going to do in 2024. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the conversation. 42 Democrats have been asked whether or not Joe Biden should run for office or should run for president again in 2024. Almost half either said no or refused to answer. Two in particular said no. 18 dodged the question. The two that said no are uh, Representative Angie Craig of Minnesota and Dean Phillips of Minnesota. The ones who have dodged the question, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Carolyn uh, Maloney of New York, Jamal Bowman of New York, Jerry Nadler of New York, Steve Cohen of Tennessee, Susan Wilde of Pennsylvania, Susan Delbean of Washington, Tom Malinowski of New Jersey, Tom Swozy of New York, Angus King, technically an independent, but caucuses with the Democrats, uh, of Maine, Dianne Feinstein, Joe Manchin, John Fetterman, the guy running for governor in Pennsylvania, Maggie Hassan, uh, the lieutenant governor of Wisconsin, who I think is running for governor, um, uh, Mandela Barnes, uh, Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado, Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia, and Josh Shapiro, governor uh, of the, gov- the, sorry, um, oh, uh, John Fetterman is the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania running for, si- for U.S. Senate against um, Dr. Oz won't answer whether or not Biden should run in 24. The gubernatorial candidate for the Democrats, Josh Shapiro, will also dodge the question. So again, of 42 people on the who have been asked on the record about this, 18% have dodged the question, two have said no. The other 22 have said he should. It is unheard of in the midterm of the first term that the party would not be sticking to their presidential candidate. It's unheard of. Not even George H.W. Bush. 
not even George H.W. Bush, who had several Republicans running against his platform, running against the things he said in the midterm of his only term. Even those Republicans didn't say he shouldn't run again. They just were running against the, the, the uh, broken promise on taxes. But there are Democrats who will not answer whether or not their president should run again. There's a very real concern that Biden is just dragging them down. He's deeply unpopular. Many Americans associate him with inflation, high gas prices, uh, COVID-19 still not being there. Um, I'm still not being gone. And of course, Afghanistan, uh, all bringing Biden's numbers down. Progressives in the party, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, are looking at Biden saying, see, this is what happens. Centrism being a moderate, that is what's killing us. And Democratic voters, a lot of them just want a generational change. They are tired of people uh, electing old people, old white dudes. They don't like old white dudes on the left and the right. Democratic voters want somebody else in charge. If elected, Biden would be 86 at the end of his second term. American voters don't want that. Democratic voters don't want that. This all goes back to where we are for the midterms. Biden's unpopularity is the primary driver behind the Democrats' numbers right now. Everything the Biden administration touches has died. The Afghanistan withdrawal, awful. Fighting inflation, been atrocious. Getting the economy back on track, he likes to claim the job stuff, but we're still not seeing... Uh, really a whole lot of positive movement in the direction and uh, in the economy's direction right now. COVID-19, it's still there. He caught it twice. How's he going to combat COVID if he can't stop himself from getting it? Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Afghanistan. That was the longest negative news cycle for Joe Biden. And as much as he wanted to tout killing the uh, uh, Anwar al-Zawari, he couldn't. He, he, could, he came out and bragged about it once, but they couldn't talk about it anymore because he was in Afghanistan, and al-Qaeda is not supposed to be in Afghanistan, so the media couldn't even help him cheerlead that because it showed that Joe Biden screwed up and trusted the wrong people in Afghanistan. The gas prices, yeah, it's down a lot from where it was at its peak, but it's still up $1.72 on average across the country from where it was last year when he started. Joe Biden's deeply unpopular. It is dragging the Democrats' numbers. Now, the Democrats look at the Kansas vote from the other day, and they think that that's their rallying point. That could be what gets people back on track. I've already explained to you guys the language of that amendment was so atrocious, most people didn't know what they were voting for. And there are several news stories that talked about how confusing the language was. And Kansas is not a deep red state. It is consistently Republican, but the, the streak of Republicanism there is very moderate. 
But there is polling in other races that shows abortion is really not the issue voters care about right now, even in the wake of the Dobbs decision. One of the most progressive candidates out there, Stacey Abrams in Georgia, is not talking about abortion. Other than to say her faith, uh, her faith has led her to believe that it is not her place to get between a woman and their doctor. That's it. That's all she's saying. She won't go further into her beliefs on abortion because the people of Georgia definitely aren't responding to that. And it's happening across the country. Abortion's not moving the numbers. Now, right now in the polling, there is a bit of a bump for the Democrats. But when you average all the polling together, the trend still shows the Republicans are at parity or doing better than Democrats. And that's a problem for Democrats. Even at parity is a problem for Democrats. Because historically, historically, this time of year, there's always a bump in the midterm polling for the party in power, especially the Democrats. The Democrats this time of year always have a bump. A friend of mine was explaining this. At this point in the year, when all the polls that are coming out are showing this bump, it's Republican families who are getting ready to go back to school, who are taking last-minute vacations, and who have generally checked out from the political process for a while because things are starting to get uh, busy again, they stop responding to the polls. The people who are responding to polling are people not on vacation and people without kids. And right now, the people without kids are Democrats. I'm not saying if you're a Democrat, you don't have kids. I'm saying that the trend is the Democratic voters who are responding to these polls right now are Democrats who don't have kids, are Democrats because they don't have kids. Largely Democrats without kids. That's just the cultural trend for Democrats. So there is a bump in the Democrats' favor right now. But the best news with the averages of those polls is that Republicans are 50-50, roughly, with the Democrats right now. Can't say exactly 50-50, more like 42-42, 44-44, something like that. And even if the Republicans are polling one or two points behind in those averages, most of these polls have a margin of error of two to three points. And most pollsters will tell you that Democrats get oversampled, that these polls lean Democrat. And so when you see a result like that, you have to add two to three points to the Republicans. Even most pollsters will tell you that. So it's not as though the Democrats are suddenly winning. And Joe Biden's unpopularity is continuing to make the issue worse for Democrats. Because the party in power is the one who is assumed to be in control of everything. And you have a Democrat party that has pushed out legislation after legislation that made the inflation problem, the economic problem worse. You have a Democratic administration that vowed to put the kibosh on oil production and gas production. And look at where we are. Gas prices are still up over a dollar and a half where they were when Joe Biden took over. And it's not because the Republicans are out there sabotaging the Democrats' efforts to make it better. It's that the Democrats have been in control. It's now to the point where if you notice, the bills that get the media excited, the bills that codify Roe versus Wade, the bills that talk about uh, 
all these all these pet issues the Democrats really want. Those bills are all passing the House and they will die in the Senate. They're not getting through the Senate. And so they won't actually be passed in the law. But the media is, is clapping like seals for this legislation. Because the media really truly and believes that the Democrats are getting things done. Because they want the Democrats to get things done. In their bubble, in, with their blinders on, all they see are the Democrats pushing forward legislation. Yes, yes, yes. They're all out there shouting right now, oh, heck yes. We killed a terrorist. Uh, the job numbers are great. Joe Biden's having the best week of his administration. Inflation still at a record high. The labor force participation rate is going down. Not up, down. And things are still not in a really good place for the country. But the media, with its blinders in their little, in their, not even a bubble, a bunker, clapping away, Loving that the abortion thing was shot down in Kansas. Loving the legislation the Democrats are putting forward. They're ignoring all the signs that every American is still worried about their financial situation. And they're taking, as the labor report said, as the job report said, they're taking up second jobs. They can't work. uh, They're not self-employed anymore. They're having to do more and more work to try to make ends meet. That's not the sign of a strong economy. That's the sign of inflation wreaking havoc on the American family. Let's go ahead and take our last break of the day before we come back. When we come back, let's talk about some of the other issues of the day. Just roll through a few of those here on the Joe Cunningham Show. We'll be back with that and more right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. And can I just, I need to read to y'all. This is the tweet of the day on, on the show notes. Uh, again, go to News Talk 96.5 KPL. I'm sorry, KPL965.com uh, to find the show notes for the day. But I, can I just read this tweet to you? It's a summary of a story. A young congressional staffer for Representative Brad Schneider, Democrat of Illinois, was fired last year, was quietly, quietly fired last year after he faked being an FBI agent and led cops on a chase through the Capitol, resulting in a weeks-long nationwide manhunt. How do you quietly fire somebody who leads the FBI on a weeks-long nationwide manhunt? This is a story from the Daily Beast. I have it linked on the show notes. It is possibly just my favorite description of a story for the day. And obviously, I know the answer to how one could quietly fire someone who led police on a week's-long chase. And that is, of course, this person's a Democrat. It took four different law enforcement agencies three months to eventually catch up with the staffer 500 miles away And it was only after a Secret Service agent managed to track down the online shops that sold the staff for mock federal agent gear and a bogus license plate for his fake police car decked out with a siren and flashing lights that authorities were able to arrest him. The congressional staffer in question, Sterling Devon Carter, admitted in court to openly carrying a firearm illegally, 
federal prosecutors dropped the law enforcement impersonation charge and he narrowly avoided prison time. When Carter pleaded guilty at 24, he barely made the age cutoff to take part in a local District of Columbia prison diversion program for young first-time offenders, according to his lawyer. Carter's misadventure, which has never been reported until now, started Saturday, November 14th, 2020. Two plainclothes officers with Secret Service were busy dealing with angry post-election MAGA protests in Washington when they spotted what looked like a police car with an odd license plate. The font seemed taller and bolder than it should be, but the rest of the car looked authentic. To the untrained eye, the blue Ford Taurus could easily pass as an unmarked police cruiser. According to D.C. court documents, Carter had tricked out the otherwise boring sedan with blue emergency lights, a laptop computer mount on the front dashboard, a spotlight near the driver's side view mirror, and even a barrier separating the front half from the back half, ready to transport detainees. Carter, who was standing near his parked car, was wearing a black t-shirt that read Federal Agent, a police duty belt, a Glock pistol, extra ammunition, handcuffs, a radio, and an earpiece. That was enough to convince passersby who kept thanking him for his service, according to court records. But something also seemed off about Carter. For one, he put his pistol magazines in pouches clipped behind his gun, making it practically impossible to reload the pistol in a firefight with his free hand. It was a rookie mistake, and someone actually trained to shoot with a handgun would notice, according to a person familiar with the investigation. The closer real federal agents got to him, the more Carter moved away towards city police already on the scene, this person recalled. When the agents ran the, susp the suspicious car's plates, the results came back empty. And then four law enforcement agencies had to track this guy down over multiple states. I know normally on Friday, Shannon has a pest of the day on offsides. I may forward him this link, but I'm not so sure that he's a pest of the day so much as he's a genius for getting away with it as long as he did. But again, please do not impersonate law enforcement. It is not the opinion of the host sitting behind this microphone that that is ever truly a good thing. Before we go, the uh, inflation reduction, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, I said I wasn't going to do it. Build Back Better 2.0. One of the things that this is going to do that Republicans are raising warning signs about is that it's going to hire a bunch of new IRS agents. A lot of new IRS agents. Enough agents to fill a professional athletic stadium. And what are these agents going to do? They are going to harass you and me over our late taxes. That's all they're going to do. They're going to go out there and make sure the government gets what the government thinks it's owed them. They're going to make sure that you and me in the middle class, that we have to pay up every cent that we owe the government, whether we know we owe them or not. Providing the IRS with an influx of funding has been a top priority for President Biden, according to Fox News. It has emerged as one of the most prominent financiers of the Build Back Better 2.0 Act that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin unveiled last week. The Democrats projected that enhancing IRS funding could add an extra $124 billion to the federal revenue over the next decade. So wait a minute. They want to spend $80 billion to boost the IRS in order to make $124 billion over the next decade. I'm not a math guy. 
I've left the public education system. I taught English and social studies and computer science. Never once taught a math class. But it seems to me that paying $80 billion right now to make $124 billion over the next decade, that ain't it. Doesn't seem to be the right way to go about things. The reason for the rise is what's known as a correspondence audit, meaning the IRS conducts reviews of tax returns via letters or phone calls rather than more complex face-to-face audits. Just a fraction, 100,000 of the 659,000 audits in 2021, were conducted in person. So in other words, the IRS wants to meet you face-to-face to tell you you owe them money and have agents come out to you and tell you you owe them money. The IRS disproportionately targets low-income Americans when it conducts tax audits each year. Households with less than $25,000 in earnings are five times as likely to be audited by the agency than everyone else, according to a recent analysis of tax data from 2021. They want to squeeze money out of the lowest income possible. Joe Biden promised that taxes would not be waged, would not be raised in the lower and middle class. Yet another lie. That's it for me for the weekend. I'll talk to you guys again on Monday here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and check out the podcast on uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Talk to you guys on Monday here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.